Welcome to Off The Record. I'm your host, Marika Day, dietitian, nutritionist, recovering perfectionist, and founder of Fueled by Marika Day. Join me here each week as we delve into what it really means to be a healthy and happy human. You'll hear from conversations with experts in their fields to raw and real chats about aspects of health and life that we really don't hear enough about. You'll be left feeling inspired, educated, and empowered to be the best version of you. So sit back, relax, or head on out for your walk, and let's dive on in. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Off The Record. It feels really funny recording this episode today because this episode is due to go live on the 5th of January 2022, which is just wild. It is currently the end of um, 2021. Got to get the year right. Um, But it just feels so weird to be recording a podcast that, yeah, is going to go live next year, which... Again, in my mind, it's still like 2020. I feel like 2019 was just the other day. So (laughs) this feels a bit odd. Anyway, this episode is, I think, a really good one to do at this time of year because as I'm sure many of us know this time of year, we are getting absolutely bombarded with diet culture messages and messages telling us that we need to burn calories, that we need to eat as little as possible. We need to make our bodies small. We need to feel guilty for the pleasure we may have had over the last couple of weeks. And if you know me, you know how much I think all of that is complete BS. But what this episode is about is, I guess, really diving into the whole notion of the 1200 calories um, and where that sort of came from. Um, So I think, yeah, really timely episode. Um, Today we are talking about low calorie diets and specifically 1200 calorie diets. So for some reason, 1200 calories, 1200 calories has become like the poster girl for weight loss diets. And I have a problem with it because (laughs) it's really not healthy. Um, Yet I think pretty much, and it really is, I think, targeted towards women. I think men have often been allowed to eat a bit more than this. Um, but women, I mean, not that that's much better, but women have definitely been sort of targeted with this 1200 calories for a very long time. And I don't know many women who haven't felt like that that's the amount that they should be eating or have actually, you know, tried to follow this kind of a diet for a certain period of their life. So that is what today's episode is about. Um, if you are, if you have an eating disorder or calories really trigger you, then I suggest potentially skipping over this episode or just making sure that you're listening to it in a safe environment um, and know that you can turn it off at any point where you do feel triggered. So um, no obligation whatsoever for you to listen to this. So as I said, diet culture or the fitness industry or even some health professionals um, have taught us over, I would say, years, because it's certainly been, you know, most of my life, um, that 1,200 calories is the amount that women should eat, either in general or the amount that women should eat in order to lose weight um, and to change their body composition. So where on earth did this number come from? And I really wanted to answer this question in a really scientific way and have like, you know, this mind boggling answer to where it came from. Um, Unfortunately, Google has let me down a little bit with this one. I thought I was going to get into a rabbit hole of information online about, you know, the first time it was reported the 1200 calorie diet. 
Um, but what I have found, uh, and I, I don't know the accuracy of this, but it appears that 1,200 calories sort of like the first time that that was really, I guess, pushed towards women is in the early 1900s. So it's something that's been around for quite some time. And it sort of started rising around the 1920s when the ideal shape of women really started to change. So we went from, you know, women who were quite voluptuous and um, quite curvy to the ideal for women becoming more and more straight shaped, straight sized uh, and much, much thinner as well. So this is sort of the time that that um, that sort of calorie restriction um, really started to kick off. And I did see a little bit of um, things saying that it was also post-war um, and was also in America tied to this is this is ridiculous, but patriot patriotic patriotism patriotism is that the right word um because there was obviously food shortages and so restricting your calories not only was good for your weight and for your body but it also meant that you were more patriotic because you were then not over consuming food what the fuck I'm not sure though that is where it has really got its like strength from today. Um, I mean, maybe that was the origins of it, but um, I feel like today, and this is just my personal opinion, that the reason that we see it so much or have seen it so much over the last sort of two decades is because of the prevalence of it in so many weight loss programs that it has essentially been programmed into our brains that that is the number that we as females should be consuming. I'm not going to name names of, you know, programs because I'm not keen to have a lawsuit on my hands at this point in time, but so many of your weight loss, like your big chain weight loss programs and your big like fitness influences over the last sort of 20 years, their meal plans and their diets were based around 1200 calories. So we've had like an entire couple of generations. I feel like now we're sort of moving forward with that I, th- I think I mean I'm sure there's still a lot of 1200 calorie diets out there but we've had this ingrained in us for at least 20 I would say more than that years that 1200 calories is the amount that a female should eat and if you repeat something enough times to somebody and then tie it in with this idealization of what women should look like and what um, the ideal body shape is we then believe that, okay, well, maybe that is correct. And particularly when we have health professionals, you know, I've had many clients that have said to me that their GP, their doctor has told them that they need to go on a 1200 calorie diet. Um, and mind you, some of these people have eating disorders um, that are undiagnosed, but they have got disordered eating and they're being told to be put on a 1200 calorie diet. So It still is around, um, but I think that's sort of my opinion of where it's come from and why it's so ingrained in how we believe food should be eaten. So the problem with this 1,200 calories is just the amount that I'm using. You know, you could replace this with 900 calories, 1,000 calories, 1,400 calories, um, is that it isn't much and it really doesn't leave you much room in order to eat enough food, to exercise, to enjoy life. Um, And for the majority of the population, if you were following this sort of number of calories, hunger is realistically going to take over and it is going to be either incredibly 
unachievable for you to maintain that and potentially to binging, which we'll get into a bit more later, or you're going to sort of suppress your hunger and everything because you're starving yourself for so, so long and then face other health consequences as a result of this. Again, not saying that this is everyone, but a vast majority of people um, will experience one of these two sort of ends of the spectrum if they are following this kind of a diet. One way that I like to get people to think about um, food deprivation or calorie deprivation is using an analogy. And if you follow me and know everything that I say and do, I love analogies. Like I feel like that they help explain the world in an easier way. So one of the analogies that I use with this is like sleep deprivation. So if you deprive yourself of sleep, so let's say you're a new mum and you are running on very little sleep. The thing is you will often survive. So you know, you very rarely die of no sleep as a new mum. Like that, I don't know any cases of people dying from lack of sleep as a mum. And the same goes for, you know, low calorie diets. Very often you, sorry, not very often. And again, it's, it tends to form into more complex things like eating disorders and anorexia nervosa. Um, but you very rarely just die from eating 1,200 calories. And the thing is that like you do when you're a new mum and you're restricted on sleep and you're sleep deprived, you find ways to cope. You find ways, you know, you're, you're exhausted and you feel like shit, but you find ways to carry on and to, I guess, survive and get the things done. Does it mean that you're healthier? Absolutely not. And the same would go for calorie deprivation. You know, you, you probably will survive by going on 1,200 calories, but is surviving what you're put on this planet to do? Like I, I'm not here just to survive and just to sleep the bare minimum, eat the bare minimum, drink the bare minimum water, you know, all of these basic needs that we have. It's, it's not about just getting the bare minimum in. It's about how can we like fuel our bodies so that we can actually live life. Now, I don't want to make blanket statements because there is times and places where 1,200 calorie diets might be recommended. I don't think it's very often, but there might be time and a place for that. And so, for example, if someone was a very short stature, very small framed and very sedentary, maybe 1,200 calories might be you know, a reasonable amount for that person. But even then, my approach to this is let's help the person eat as much as they can or fuel their body as much as they possibly need to, to live their best life. It's not about trying to eat the very minimum possible. So yeah, I, I'm not trying to make blanket statements here. Um, but yeah, I think the, the blanket statement that 1,200 calories is appropriate for all women is very untrue and very damaging. I also think that it's not only damaging, so I kind of touched on this before, but it's not only damaging to people who try this diet, but it's damaging to society as a whole. Um, and again, I'm going to speak particularly for women because I think this message really is targeted towards women. What I've noticed from the clients that I've worked with over the years and even my own experience you know, within the industry is that what this message of uh, 1200 calories does is that it instills fear in us that we are doing something wrong if we are eating more than that and that we are potentially either damaging our health or we're going to gain weight which of course you know in diet culture that is the worst thing that could ever happen to you 
but it really makes us afraid of eating more. And so what I've noticed is that people who have sort of ingrained within them that 1200 calories is enough. The thought of eating like 1800 calories is terrifying or even like 2500 calories is just like mind blowingly scary. And I've seen women who the sheer, like the look of sheer fear and terror on their face when I've mentioned, you know, 1800 calories or 2500 calories is just like, oh God, no, like I I could never do that. That's just an exorbitant amount of calories. Reality is that it's not really like the reality is that a woman could easily eat 2500 calories and not gain weight. Now, I know that obviously this is not the case for everyone, but I know for a fact that many women could eat 2500 calories and not gain weight. And the thing is that this fear is all because someone who we have no idea who this person is, like we don't really we can't really say, oh, well, so-and-so said 1,200 calories. And they're obviously the, the most credible expert person in nutrition in the entire world. We, we don't know who's saying this. It's just a message that we've received. And they decided that we should have 1,200 calories so that we as women can fit the societal standards of beauty and fit the expectations of being tiny little women. I just, I just can't buy into it. I just, it's not, it's not for me. And the other thing is, this is this is a taught thing, obviously. And again, it's not our fault for believing this. Like, I've believed it before. I remember even when I started um, in my nutrition degree, there was parts of it where I was seeing, you know, what other dietitians were doing. And I can't remember if it was, I don't think it was something that we learned, um, but certainly like, you know, low calorie diets, maybe not quite as low as 1200 calories, but not far off it was something that was, you know, not drilled into us. And again, I don't know whether it was explicitly taught, but there was definitely a place for it. And there was definitely, you know, an expectation that that was, I guess, what you do when people want to lose weight is you, you put them on these sorts of diets. Um, where was I going with that? I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh yes. What I was saying is, um, that we're taught this. So, uh, I'm not trying to sort of draw shame to you or to anyone that believes this because you're not choosing to be taught this. This is what, um, yeah, what society is saying to us. And, What I think a good way of sort of thinking about it is that we're essentially being taught to be afraid of fueling our body. Like imagine, just imagine if there was like a health professional out there who was saying the same thing we say about calorie restriction for oxygen restriction. Oh, we would be like (laughs) in a whole nother place. Like we would be dead. If somebody was like, okay, let's see if we can get the least amount of oxygen in our bodies as possible and still survive and still train and still like do all of these things, you would die. And I think that's why obviously it hasn't taken off as a trend, but what's the difference between oxygen and food when it comes to, these are things that are our basic needs as humans to survive. So the notion that we should always try and make it as small as possible and restrict as much as possible is barbaric absolutely barbaric. But yes, that's what we're, we're being taught that we should be afraid of. Anyway, the good news of all of this is that when you learn something, so when you're taught something, you can also unlearn and unteach yourself that. I don't think that's the right word, but you can unlearn um, those things that you've taught. So you can learn again to trust your body. You can learn again to fuel your body and to eat without guilt and shame. 
Um, it's not easy and it takes time and it takes practice and it takes consistency like any other sort of habit that you create, um, but it is 100% possible to do. Aside from the obvious, I wanted to sort of go through some of the reasons why 1200 calories is not enough calories for a fully grown adult or even a, um, and probably more importantly as well, a developing teenager, because I think that this message is not exclusively um, targeted towards adults. I think that this is something that teenagers are or have been told. I definitely was aware of this message, you know, while I was still in my teens. Um, so I, I don't want to exclude them from this conversation as well, because I think that, yeah, we need to acknowledge that this has, this has been said and this is, you know, what's happening in the world and that we need to, I guess, combat it with true information and knowledge and empower people to actually fuel their body. So the first thing I was going to say is that 1200 calories is more accurate to the requirements of a toddler than it is an adult or a teenager. And I'm not joking when I say that two to three year old toddlers require around sort of 1000 to 1400 calories a day. Mind blowing. Now I get that toddlers are pretty nonstop and active and some of us adults are relatively sedentary, myself included, but that does not account for the size difference between think about like if you've got a son or a daughter or a niece or a nephew or, you know, a family friend or something like that, that is, you know, in that sort of age bracket of two to three, the size difference between you and them is phenomenal. (laughs) And the thing is that, yes, of course, the amount of activity that we're doing each day is potentially different between a toddler and us as adults. But size does play a big role in the amount of calories that we burn. So tissue burns calories and that's not even muscle tissue. This is just any tissue. So even fat tissue burns calories. So if we are in a bigger body, we burn more calories. And so that's why, you know, as adults, we burn more calories than children. That's why a lot of men burn more calories, many other reasons as well. But one of the reasons why men burn more calories than women, because they are bigger bodied, again, generally speaking. So an example, just to sort of clarify that is that somebody who let's say is 50 kilos in order for them to maintain their weight would require, and I'm just going to throw a number out there. It's not, I'm not using any accurate measures or anything for this, but let's say that a 50 kilo person would require 2000 calories to maintain their weight. Somebody who is 70 kilos would require more than 2000 calories in order to maintain their weight as well even if that extra 20 kilos was purely fat mass, if both the 50 kilo person and the 70 kilo person wanted to maintain their weight, it technically would require more calories. Now, it's not as simple as that. There are lots of different like hormonal processes involved in all of these things and signaling and um, yeah, metabolism equations that I'm not gonna go into, but there is a basic fundamental understanding that the more tissue that you have, the more energy you burn. So what I'm saying is that we really should eat more than a toddler. And I don't think I need to reemphasize that any more than I already have. Another reason why I have such a problem with this message is that 1200 calories for most women is probably not going to be. And I say probably because, again, you know, there might be some anomalies, but I would say most women 
it's not going to be enough to maintain hormonal regularity, meaning that the women are going to lose their menstruation because of, as a result of, sorry, following this kind of calorie restriction. Particularly, I would say, if your energy output is high. So, for example, if you are, you know, doing a fitness challenge and you're exercising five to let's say 14 times a week, like some of the fitness challenges that, again, I'm not going to name, tell you to do. Um, so combining, you know, high intensity exercise or high, um, like high load of exercise. So not even necessarily high intensity training, but a lot of exercise load on top of a really restricted diet is going to mess up your hormones and is going to likely mean that you're going to lose your menstruation. And this is not a good thing. And this is a podcast in itself entirely. But if you lose your menstruation as part of your health journey, you are not on a health journey. That is not part of the health journey. This is anti-health. This is, you know, doing damage um, and not doing damage that's not irreversible. But if the purpose of you exercising more and eating better is to be healthier and as part of that that you lose your period, you really need to look at what you're doing. And I would suggest reaching out for help for, to help you, I guess, realign with the right sort of message to help you fuel your body and to actually give you enough energy to menstruate, to have a healthy hormonal cycle. The next thing I wanted to say about this is that our body requires a certain number of calories to function. So it's called, I guess, our basal metabolic rate, so our BMR. And you may have heard of this term before. And when people say that this is the number of calories that our body requires to function, what they mean is so that our brain can think, so that our heart can beat, our lungs can breathe, all of the cells in our body can do the things that they're supposed to do. And for many people... Again, this is a a massive assumption, but 1,200 calories is potentially not going to be enough for those basic functions. So for example, and this is a fact that I think a lot of people are surprised by, is that the brain uses about 20% of our energy intake. So the amount of energy we we consume, the brain consumes about 20% of that. So it's not even about like, you know, exercise that you're doing or anything like that. Our bodies require a fair bit of calories to function optimally. And this is why, for example, when we do go on these types of diets, we find that we are fatigued, we are drained, we can't think clearly, we're obviously hungry all of the time um, because our body is literally screaming out for help. So just to give you a bit of perspective there, like that means for, you know, the average person, the average person's not the right word to use, but let's say, you know, for pick a random person, the brain is consuming like 300-ish calories a day just to be the brain. Um, I think we forget that. We think that our bodies can just get by on as little as possible. But what does that actually mean for our body? Like what's, what's the impact of our body just trying to survive? And also, is that how we want to live our life? Do we want to live our life really just trying to hang on and survive so that we can be in the smallest body that we possibly can get. And I really want to clarify here. I recognize my thin privilege in um, having this conversation and I I always do. And, you know, I think that it's, um, it's challenging when you've been in a larger body. And again, I haven't been in a large body, but I've worked with a lot of people who have been 
And I can see where this desire to be thinner comes from and thinner at all expenses because of the shame and stigma put on them from society and then also from their family, their friends, you know, or themselves. So I get that that is a huge pressure, but at what cost, like at what point are we going to stop sort of going, I'm going to sacrifice everything sacrifice my happiness, sacrifice my health, sacrifice my energy so that I can try and fit into a smaller body. And again, there's no guarantees that that's actually going to happen. And one of the reasons for that is, like I said earlier, is that when when you are on a really low calorie diet, the body will often respond in sort of one of two ways, one of which is you, I guess, adapt and get used to having such low calories and you, and this is where I think some people find that, you know, they stop losing as much weight or um, they just, I guess, survive. And like I was saying, you know, the new mum, like they just survive on low energy and get used to the feeling of hunger and eventually the hunger sort of passes and they, they don't feel it as much anymore. But again, this is like the sleep deprivation of a new mum, you're just getting by. It's not, it's not thriving. The other alternative is that people can't stick to it and they feel guilt and shame because they can't stick to it. They feel like that they have failed and it's the lack of willpower that has resulted in them not being able to stick to this kind of diet. When in reality, like if you are sleep deprived, you get tired. When you are calorie deprived, you get hungry. And as that calorie deprivation increases, so as the days or the hours, the weeks pass, that tiredness would increase as the hunger would increase as well. And most sane, normal human beings don't let that slide. Like they don't let that continue. You eventually go, okay, who has the willpower to go, I'm going to keep holding my breath when I can't anymore. It's not about willpower. It's a physiological urge to restore your body to homeostasis. It's an urge for your body to go, I'm struggling. I need some more food. And so for a lot of people, when I guess that feeling of failure kicks in, then they go, well, I couldn't do it and I'm a failure. So therefore I've just lost two weeks of my life eating things that I enjoy or, you know, two months or two years. So fuck it. I'm going to go eat everything and anything, or they're so hungry that they have to eat everything and anything. It's quite quickly can turn into a binging situation. And again, this is not through your fault of your own. This is not you you know, lacking willpower to control a binge. This is you were starving and your body was trying to scream at you to tell you what to do. And I just thought of just then a way that I can relate this to my life is that um, I have sleep deprived myself and overworked myself for the last couple of months working on this project. But um, I, the last week have slept so much. Like I was working out, I think I've slept like 30% of the last week, maybe even more than 30% of like literally 30% of the last seven days I've been asleep. And that is because the last few months I have run myself into the ground. And so in order to come out of that, you go through this period where your body tries to play catch up. And the same thing happens very frequently with dieting and with food is that 
when you've restricted yourself for some time, your body just goes, holy shit, give it all to me. I need it now. Then often what happens because you've felt like that you failed is that you go back into the diet cycle again and you start, you know, restricting again and you then end up going on cycles of them. And these cycles might last for weeks, months, days, hours, or even years. So you might, you know, the speed at which you sort of move through the cycle could change depending on, you know, who you are. But quite frequently, this is what happens. So to finish up, I wanted to answer one or a couple of questions that have come through on my Instagram about this topic. So one of them is how do we move back to eating more than 1200 when we've been doing this for quite some time and we've got this insane fear of gaining weight? So first thing I'm going to say is that the fear of gaining weight really is rooted in diet culture in itself because what it's saying is that you're a bad person if you live in a bigger body. Um, Like that is the root of being afraid of gaining weight. It's that you are less worthy, less lovable, less uh, accepted, less, you know, whatever it is, if you live in a larger body. Whereas the reality is that it doesn't matter what shape or size or color or, you know, how many limbs you have or don't have, you are still a worthy, lovable human being, 100%. So I think that firstly, it is a break, about breaking down that fear and recognizing that even if you did gain weight, you are still an incredible, lovable human worthy of, you know, respect and belonging and, you know, success and whatever it is that you dream of, you are still all of those things. But then from a more nutrition perspective, what I would encourage you to sort of think about is that the, the, I guess what we see when people begin to fuel their body more appropriately is not necessarily always immediate weight gain. Um, And there are many reasons for this. And, you know, you might have seen in the fitness industry, it's called like reverse dieting. And I I don't really like that, that term, but I guess what it's saying is that eating more doesn't necessarily mean that you gain more weight. And even if you did, that's not a bad thing. Like even if you gain a little bit of weight, but you gain your, or even if you gain a lot of weight, but you regain your health, you regain your ability to socialize, you regain your confidence, you regain your life back, then wow, that is a fucking win. Sorry, I've sworn, I think, way too much this episode. Anyway, what I was gonna say is that just because you're increasing your calories does not mean that you are going to gain weight. Um, And the reason for this is quite complicated, but Essentially, when it comes to a metabolism, there are a lot of factors involved and our body becomes really good at adapting to the environment that it's in. So if the environment that we put it in is a 1200 calorie diet, our body will do its best to adapt to that environment. If we begin to give our body more energy, then we begin to adapt to that environment. And I'm going to speak from personal experience on this because I think that that is the best way to, I guess, describe this, but it's not something that is just exclusive to me, but I feel like tying an example to this um, helps you, I guess, realize the, the changes that can occur when you begin to eat more and to fuel your body. Um, So what tends to happen when you start to fuel your body, you start to feel like you have more energy, which is not surprising. So when you have more energy, then you are 
one, more likely to have the motivation to exercise. You are more likely to be able to push yourself harder in your exercise. You are also more likely to be, I guess, happy is not the right word because you can still be very unhappy and be eating a lot of energy. Um, and the opposite is true as well. But you, and this is where I guess I speak from personal experience, is that when I've been on lower calorie diets in my life, you sort of become like, what's the word? Like a slow moving ship. <laughs> um, like everything feels like it's got a bit of effort to it. Like, and I guess this is sort of clouded with a bit of depression probably on my part as well. But like, you know, you've, you it's almost a similar feeling is that like it's everything just, you know, going out for a walk, you're like, okay, like if I have to. Whereas what I've found by really focusing on fueling my body and eating large volumes of food and high calorie foods and not being afraid of any food and really finding that, I guess, freedom with food is that it's meant that I have more energy day to day. So for example, and this is a really silly example, but I feel like it describes it perfectly well. I find when I'm eating more and like more consistently. So like, for example, not just, you know, eating more one day, but like, you know, I've spent a couple of weeks. um, So like I am at the moment, like, you know, I've sort of really ramped up my eating over the last probably six months. Um, And one of the things that I noticed, and one of the things that I sort of use as a gauge for like how things are going is I noticed that like, for example, I'm in the car, I'm like bopping about like listening to songs that are on singing. Like I'm actually moving. Like my incidental activity is much higher and incidental activity. I think people have associated with like taking the stairs instead of, you know, taking the elevator, but incidental activity is the amount that (laughs) I wish you could see me right now, but the amount that your hands move when you're talking Um, and you know, those sorts of things. And I 100% noticed when I was on a lower calorie diet that those things are hugely impacted that, you know, you don't want to move as much. And as I said, not just steps, it's, you don't want to move as much in the, and this is not a conscious thing, but you're just not as energetic in day to day. And the amount that you fidget and, you know, you dance about during the day and those sorts of things really do play a significant amount of a significant role, sorry, in your total energy expenditure. So that's one way that it can have an impact. The other thing that occurs for a lot of people when they start eating more is that they start binging less, which if you are somebody who binges or, and I guess binges are a very, um, a very, uh, what's the right word, like scientific term. So there's, a, I guess, a definition for what a, constitutes a binge. Um, but I guess I would then also add into that, like emotional overeating. So if you're somebody who emotionally overeats or binges on a you know semi-regular basis, most people will find when they eat enough food that the binging will either go or it will severely reduce inconsistency, again, depending on the reason for the binging. Um, but if the reason for the binging is that diet cycle, then it is 100% going to improve at least. And what that actually can mean is that your calorie balance throughout the week or throughout the month is actually a lot more stable. And you'll find that you actually can eat, you know, a really good amount, like a decent amount of food, more than you ever thought you could. And again, it's not having an impact on your weight. The final thing that I wanted to touch on is 
I guess, recognition that you are worthy of eating enough. I think from what I've heard, like the rhetoric from people who live in larger bodies is, is that they don't feel like they deserve to be allowed to eat enough, that because they are in a larger body, that therefore they should restrict as opposed to like, you know, eating enough and fueling your body is like a privilege, you know, just for people who live in smaller bodies. I disagree a thousand times over. I think, and I, I know where that comes from and I know where the shame and the stigma around that comes from. And I, I totally recognize it and I totally hear you and I totally feel you with that. But we need to change this. And this is where the change starts with you, with ditching that approach to to fueling your body. Like that is not how you're going to live a fulfilling life. Telling yourself that you are only allowed to eat enough once you actually achieve the smaller body. That, you know, focusing your health is like this privilege afforded to people who are in smaller bodies is not true even in the slightest. And in fact, it's more important for people in larger bodies because of the stigma and the shame that has for generations and generations been put on to people in larger bodies. And the other thing is that when we do this, we set ourselves up for failure. So, you know, if we are saying, well, I only deserve to fuel my body once I hit, you know, a low weight or, you know, once I'm in this certain size jeans or whatever it is, we're again setting ourselves up for failure because if we do fall into that sort of diet restrict binge cycle, we're likely going to at some point in the process gain more weight over it. It's unfortunately, what the research shows about these like quite restrictive diets is that in the long run, we do gain more weight. So we end up living our entire life trying to get to this place that we may never actually reach and telling ourselves that we can't enjoy life until we reach that. So I really want to finish up by challenging you to allow yourself to fuel your body, that you deserve to fuel your body right now, regardless of the shape and size that you are. And that focusing on your health as opposed to trying to fit into a smaller body is something that you deserve to be able to do and that you are worthy of doing again, regardless of your shape and size. And I think... That is all for this episode. What a way to finish. Um, if this episode has brought up anything for you, we do have the Butterfly Foundation here in Australia, which is a hotline for eating disorder and body image support. And I'm going to grab the number right now for you. So the number for Butterfly Foundation is 1800 334 Seven three, and that is a 24-hour hotline in Australia. So please, if you feel like you need support in this area, um, there is support available. And if this conversation has sort of um, brought up anything in you that sort of has inspired you to take action um, in fueling your body more, then um, I'd love to hear from you. So please um, reach out on Instagram at Marika Day. Or if you want to learn more about how to fuel your body, then we have the perfect program for you that is coming at the end of this month. It is Fueled by Marika Day. If you'd like to find out more about this program, then you can sign up for updates by going to www.fueledbymarikaday and that's fueled with two L's uh, com. And uh, the Instagram handle for Fueled is at Fueled by Marika Day. So I look forward to seeing you over there um, and 
yeah, hopefully you enjoyed this episode and catch you next week. Bye.